0: Whether you're a passive investor or an active investor, you're really depending on your team and their knowledge to be able to make you successful. And so you need to work on that relationship first.
1: Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing
2: inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. If you're a high income earner and you're looking to take advantage of real estate investing in today's market, today is a must listen. We get a chance to sit down and talk with Leite Alto. She owns and operates over 150 properties and she is an active syndicator as
3: well. Well, Liz, not every single person hates their job, right? And so not everybody wants to just quit their job and become a real estate investor full-time. So if that's you, We're going to break down here. How does that look like you investing passively or actively on your free time? Before we get into ladies story, let's hear a word from our
1: sponsors. Visit biggerpockets.com slash VACASA, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, and get a free personalized income estimate today. That's biggerpockets.com slash VACASA.
2: Welcome back, everyone. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Welcome back to the Real Estate Invest Her Show. Excited to have you back on. And, and for everyone that's been with us, you know, over 400 episodes when we started this journey five years ago, and we have the same exact mission as we do today, to empower women to live a financially free and balanced life. And we're so excited to have Lay T Alto on our show today.
0: Uh, thank you for being with us. Excited to jump into today's topic. I'm so excited to be here with you guys. I've been a fan since the very beginning.
2: Well, we appreciate you being on this journey, even when we blabbered a bunch on the first episode. I don't <laughs> no, I'm know sure what we you're can.
0: talking about. You're <laughs> just
3: flawless.
2: So as as the as the as the women coming back with us on this journey and for maybe for new listeners, we like to kind of get to it as fast as we can. Women's time is, is limited, our one limited resource. So As someone who's a high income earner, we know you, you know, you know, you know those folks, you work with them. They have capital and they have capital to deploy right now in today's market. How can I evaluate real estate investment opportunities and ensure I'm making the right decisions with everything going on in today's market?
0: I actually think the core concept is the same no matter what the market's doing, um, which is buying good properties that cash flow. And so my tool for that is the cash and cash calculator. And if you're evaluating as a passive investor, it's, it's looking at the cash and cash calculations, looking at the analysis that the syndicator has done. But I still am looking for deals that cash flow and, With the interest rate being a little bit higher in this market and people not having brought down their expectations all the time as sellers of what the price should be, I literally just don't buy those deals if other parts of the cash and cash calculator don't look improved.
3: So for all the high earners listening, right, we have different options. You guys have uh, crowdfunding, REITs, which is one of my favorite topics recently. Um, turnkey properties, passive investing. This, this specific episode, we're going to dive into being a limited partner within multifamily, but we're going to add more information on our show notes about all those other strategies for, so for a limited partnership, Liz and I were, were discussing about the things that we do, right? In terms of risk mitigation. There's four, four key. Um, components, let's say the asset itself, the property on its own, the sponsor or GP and how I take risk, right? And all of those needs to kind of like combine and become a great recipe. So let's, let's look at the asset class right now. We're talking specifically multifamily investment for those high earners. What are the key metrics that they need to observe to to see if, if this asset class is a good fit for them? What they should be looking for? So for me,
0: when I'm picking my properties or when I'm syndicating properties, I really like the BC class multifamily. And the reason I say that is when you look back even to the 2020 kind of dip with the COVID recession, the mini recession of it. You could see that uh, when people get financially stressed, when people lose their jobs, they oftentimes will move into the BC class multifamily from the A class properties. And so for that reason, I I really like BC class multifamily. And then I like to see forced depreciation in the properties that I'm going to invest in as well, because for me, that's risk mitigation, thinking that we're probably going to go into a recession in the next couple of years, and it may take some time for prices to come back up, I want to have the confidence that if my personally, my property, or if I'm in a syndication and for whatever reason they need to sell, which they shouldn't, right? Because they should cash flowing. But for whatever reason they need to sell, if they forced enough appreciation, it's not going to be a huge loss to the group. And so those are the types of things that I look for in, a, in an investment.
2: And just to follow up on the the forced appreciation, because you know the, the three of us know what, what you mean by that. But I'm a, I'm a high income earner, right? And I just, I honestly want to, I want to put my money somewhere and I like real estate. I just don't have the time. What are ways that, that I'm going to say, okay, that operator, that syndicator is doing that correctly. And what does that look like? What's a simple way to, to force appreciation for, for those, for those listening?
0: Yeah, as a passive investor, I think that if you invest yourself, you actually have a much better sense of what the analysis is that the, that the syndicator is giving to you. So I think that you're at a little bit of a disadvantage when you don't invest yourself, when you're looking at their variables that they're giving to you because things can be kind of even small variable changes can make it difficult to really know how the deal is actually going to perform. But if I'm looking at a, as a passive investor, the things I'm going to want to see is that they are going to increase rents. And I'm going to want to see that they're increasing uh, rents and actually how much they're going to get from that compared to how they're going to bring in other sources of income. Because I think that it's, that sometimes people will buy properties that are actually largely operating really, really well. But they're, they're saying, well, I'm going to, I'm going to increase the value of the property, which is forced depreciation, by, you know, going out and adding, you know, paid laundry or I'm going to do all these parking or I'm going to put. Yeah. In the solar. It's more speculative right? They have all these, these ways that they're going to add it, but they're not actually fundamentally changing the price of the rent every month in the property of the units. And I think that's a little bit more risky.
3: In terms of the sponsor, right? We have a lot of people, and I don't know about 2020, but 2020 kind of like birth a lot of syndicators per, per se, right? That are very confident about uh, what they are proposing without even Completing a full cycle, which I I believe is extremely dangerous for folks that are looking to invest invest passively on the LP side, to really like do their due diligence when vetting sponsors. So, what were are like the top three questions a high earner income should ask a sponsor a GP? or whoever is leading the project when presented with an opportunity?
0: So if they don't have the history, which I agree with you, Andresa, is absolutely most important. Because when you go through a recession, uh, I think that that you realize the last few years that that people have gotten really lucky, right? They've gotten lucky because prices have increased. um, And they have maybe perhaps they made mistakes along the way, but they still ended up okay. Um, so number one question I would ask is have they ever owned their own rental properties themselves, right? Because I do think that there's a lot that comes out of owning your own properties. And I see a lot of syndicators who have been like, let's say doing IT until three years ago, and then all of a sudden they become syndicators. They didn't own their own properties and go through the experience of that. Um, I think that going through a syndicator training program, uh, can be a really huge value. It just ensures that they get the knowledge, the base knowledge and experience learning from a mentor who ideally has gone through a recession to be able to, uh, have an idea of what it's going to be like. And then lastly, I, I think you gotta look at the cash and cash calculations, gotta look at their assumptions that they're making. And you really do have to put your own time and mind into it. I think it's, it's very easy to say, well, let me just bet the syndicator themselves, but, but, you really do need to look at the deal. Um so I would encourage everybody to have some baseline knowledge of real estate investing and not just go in blindly and only invest on the jockey.
3: In terms of of the team, right? Cuz we we know that many in many times the person the, the team is much bigger than the person that it is on on the front line explaining about the deal, right? In terms of like who is really the in charge of operations, and I think that operations does not get the credit that it deserves to be honest because it can make it or break it. so not necessarily, I am looking to make sure I understand the business plan and all the projections, but I want to know for sure who is going to execute that plan, and if that team has an experience. And what are the results that they have got so far to back that up? So, for from that perspective, how do you gather the information about the team who is really doing the the work there?
0: I, I think it's it's really asking the questions. It's asking, you know, who's going to be the boots on the ground? Who's going to be managing the property? Because you can have the syndicator GP team. Um, the general partner team who are running the syndication, but they actually sometimes will go and get somebody in the middle who operates, who manages the property manager. So there may be multiple layers of management. So I think you really need to just ask who is actually doing the management um, and Ideally, you know, you do some research into that person because you're right. It can, who's managing it, who's doing the day to day can make or break it. And a, a really bad property manager can make a huge difference. And then find out if there is a middleman too, who's doing the asset management of the property manager underneath the GPs. Cause there's now, uh, that opportunity too. So that makes a lot of
2: sense, Laity. And, and, you know, that's a strategy that so many of these high income earners are like, I got to vet the syndicator, I got to vet the deal, and I got to vet the asset class. I think you've added a lot of great, a lot of great insight into that.
1: I'm curious, have you been struggling to keep your vacation rental booked? I totally get it. It's tough to manage and keep filled, but we found something that really works. It's called Vacasa. They've seriously changed the game for a lot of the BP audience. In almost every market they're in, Vacasa manages to fill up the calendar more than anyone else. And get this: the average Vacasa user sees about 24% more bookings than with other managers. That's a lot of extra income. Curious to see what you could be earning? You can get a personalized income estimate right there. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at what Vacasa can do for you. Check out biggerpockets.com/slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A. Biggerpockets.com/slash Vacasa.
2: So stay on that high income earner, and I now want to buy that property. I see this like beat up property in my community. I don't have a ton of time, but I'm like, I can do this, but I'm not sure how, right? So uh, with limited time, but probably with a decent amount of money, re- you know, the, the monetarial resources, how do I vet that opportunity if I really want to be the the person putting it together and getting to the closing table?
0: Yeah. Great question. I think that as an, as a person who has a maybe 40 or 60 hour work week, like how do you own your own properties? Well, you can definitely use property managers and you can definitely use a team. And so when you're vetting it, I definitely want to do the cash and cash calculations that I mentioned earlier. And I definitely want to be looking for forced appreciation for a way to add value in that property so that I'm mitigating my risk. But a lot of this is going to come down to vetting your team, just like with a syndication. You're going to need to vet your property manager, your contractor. And ideally, you have some fellow investors who you know in that market. So you can get word of mouth referrals because those are always the strongest. Um, but if you have an incredible agent, just like this is kind of a parallel to what we were talking about with the person leading the syndication. If you have an incredible agent who invests in real estate themselves, they're going to have a lot of the team members. They're going to ideally have tested them out on their own properties and likely other investors who they've already worked with have tested them out. And so you have that opportunity to really get a vetted team uh, together, even owning your own properties and make it much more passive than you might actually think.
3: And when it comes down to passive versus active. What are the advantages of a high income earner becoming an active investor?
0: When you are an active investor, the returns are much, much greater than when you're a passive investor. So you're trading, working more and and having more responsibility for higher returns as an active investor versus a passive investor. So, you know, for different people, and even in different times of your life, active versus passive, you might make different choices. Um, but the big one with being an active investor is the ability to harvest all of those returns yourself. And one of the important returns that you don't have as ma- much access to is the tax savings when you're a passive investor. You can get passive tax savings when you're a passive investor, but when you're an active investor, you can buy it like a short-term rental and access the short-term rental tax loophole, or you can get real estate professional and, or have your spouse do that. And in either case, you can actually shelter some of your W-2 income from taxes. And that's a huge guaranteed return if you do that.
2: That makes a lot of sense. So in terms of assessing the property, let's talk about the market, right? Because I think so many investors especially with limited time get so enamored with this property. Oh, I love this deal then you ask them why they love the deal and love the property and they honestly just can't answer those questions. And, that, and and the market becomes oh yeah, I didn't think about that, right? So the market has to become more important in a lot of ways than the actual property. We all know that, but so many newer investors looking to to passively or actively invest don't realize that as much. So how do you do, and it's not about just the market of Texas, the market of New Jersey. <laughs> don't invest in New Jersey. No, I'm joking. Um, it's about the sub markets. So how do you, uh, Leite, really assess your submarkets and make sure you're making the right calls about the market independent of the property?
0: Yeah. Um, so I look at a lot of different variables, things like, Do I believe in the growth, long-term growth of the city, right? Or the submarket, like you're talking about that area? Do I, I look at the different businesses that are around and want to make sure that it's got some economic diversity? Because if one big business leaves the area, is the whole submarket going to crumble because they're the, the largest employer? Yeah. Um, are, and then I'm, I'm also, a lot of what's going to be important to your success is your team. So what we what we do and what we encourage a lot of our community members to do is actually fly to the submarket. We have people investing last time we looked at like over 90 markets across the US, but actually fly to the submarket. Sure, go around and look at it, but really build those deep relationships with your team. Because ultimately your team members, if you get a good like investor agent, for example, they probably live there 5, 10, 15 years. They've watched what's going on in the neighborhoods. They've been involved in, in knowing which direction places are going. They know where the path of progress is. They know what new, new businesses are coming in. They are actually going to know much more than you are. Even if you lived in a town, you don't, you don't spend the time like a real estate agent to know each block. So honestly, whether you're a passive investor or an active investor, you're really depending on your team and their knowledge to be able to make you successful and so you need to work on that relationship first.
2: Yeah. So, um uh, latey for that high income earner that is nervous about today's market with everything happening, interest rates high, you know, we're in a recession, it's a looming recession, um you know, uh, and there's a lot of speculation, and and I'll say properties are still overpriced. I don't know what you're seeing, but I, I find that the majority of the properties we're looking at are not still in overpriced.
3: California.
2: Well, not in yeah, exactly.
3: So all those
2: pieces of the puzzle. How does that high income earner, who's so busy being the professional that they are, have confidence in making the right decision for themselves? Passively invest, buy that single family home in in this particular market. There's a lot of pieces of this puzzle of investing in real estate. It's not as just easy, right? Here's my here's my 50 grand stockbroker. Go invest in whatever what you whatever p- paper assets you know you want to invest in. This is a little more in depth in terms of. There's a lot of moving parts. So, what would you say to that high income earner that's listening that's just not yet confident, which way to go? How do they really get clear for themselves so they can step into making a decision confidently?
0: Yeah, confidence comes from knowledge and really understanding what you're doing. And so I think it starts with education, but it also, as an investor, you are relying on data to make decisions. You're not relying on emotions. And so if you have that knowledge to know how to do an analysis of a property you're going to be able to evaluate what a syndicator is, going to, is doing, or if you want to own your own properties. And what you're going to want to do is stack the odds in your favor. Not every deal is going to be a home run. Um, and sometimes, you know, people even choose, they're doing an analysis and they say, you know what, something's like a 7% cash and cash calcul- uh, return, but I'm going to do this deal because I'm going to get my foot wet, right? My feet wet. I want to just get moving. So not every deal has to be a home run. But you do want to stack the odds in your favor by making sure you're making returns in multiple different ways. So we've talked about cash and cash return. I've mentioned forced appreciation, which is when you take the value of a property and you increase it. And syndicators do this all the time. um, And if you have that now you have cash and cash return. Now you have forced appreciation. If you can access those tax savings, um, if you're cash flowing, your renters are paying down your mortgage, right? And if you can get that immediate appreciation, which is buying a deal less than market price, which does happen even in this market because it's so relationship based, it's not like the stock market where you're just buying a stock at the same price as millions of other people. You actually have the opportunity. To get deals that just only come to you, so you have that opportunity to get immediate appreciation. So, and then you set yourself up in the path of progress, which we were talking about buying in the path of progress, or having the the syndicator person who's running it buy in the path of progress. Now you've stacked six different ways that you make money, and your odds of doing well are increased rather than if you're just depending on one of those ways. If you're just hoping for appreciation, market appreciation, you're gambling, right? But you stack those pieces together and you increase your odds of doing well, no matter what the market's doing.
2: I think that's a really good point. I think that it is, is relevant for passive and active strategies. Um, so that, that really makes a lot of good sense. So, uh, Leite, where can the ladies listening learn more about you?
0: I run Semi-Retired MD, and we teach truly trained physician and high-income earners how to build rental property portfolios and free themselves from their day jobs.
3: And where, do they, can, where they can find more information about you?
0: Um, just go to dot md.com.
3: Awesome. All this information you guys can find on our show notes. Now we're gonna to transition to our fabulous three questions. The first one is what's the most transformational book you ever read?
0: I love the one thing. Gary Keller's The One Thing is incredible because it talks about focus, it talks about um it talks about goals, it talks about how to have work life integration and, and not really, it's not balance. It's, it's like, uh, sometimes things are off balance. Sometimes, cause I think that we all have this story in our heads that we can do everything and all at once. Um, but the fact is sometimes some things are going to take priority and sometimes they're not. So I just, I love that book. I felt very transformational for my life and I still use it to this day saying, You know, what's the one thing that if I do it, it's going to make everything else easier or unnecessary?
3: What is the most powerful routine that you do to create a financially free and balanced life, whatever balance means to you?
0: I plan out my week. Um, I read 12 Week Year, which is another transformational book. And uh, I spend a lot of time thinking about my priorities and then making sure I'm working towards those priorities instead of putting out fires. Last question Which women, famous or not, has inspired you the most? Sarah Blakely right now. Um, I just, I love her authenticity. I love that you can be a powerhouse woman, but also be who you are and not have to put a facade on. And I, I just, I, I think she's really utterly amazing and, and persistent. I don't know if you guys have heard her story, but she went through a lot of challenges. She did a lot of work herself to, to get to where she is. So I think she's really an inspiration.
2: Leite, thank you so much for being on our show and sharing your ideas and wisdom with our community. We appreciate your time. Thank you,
3: guys. Thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestheart.com. There you can subscribe to our show, become part of our Investor community